Welcome to episode 425 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 425 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Banged out 3K straight in the pool this morning. Just banged it out, did you? 3,000 straight. Three, what did you do 3K in? Uh, 44 minutes. That's pretty good. Just if you would absolutely bury yourself, mm. how deep would you go? <laughs> Very deep, Bevan. Uh, how, how, how long do you reckon it takes you to do 3K? Um, I don't know. What you do 40 to 44, 40, 41, 42 maybe? I don't know. Have you ever done out. that? Have you done just like, you, you know, just all oh, out? The, cla- the classic is uh, you do a one-hour uh, – swimmers do a one-hour time trial and you swim as far as you can for one hour. Or I think we used to do a 5K as well, but I can't remember. That was, that was Can like you remember 20, what you did for an hour? No, that was like 25 years ago. <laughs> can you remember what the top no. swimmers in the club did? No. Oh, well, pretty good memory. Start to show. Let's just focus on that. I did 3K straight today. How'd you get some this morning? Great. <laughs> I took his proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, we, I should make some more coffee this week. Shush. I did love that decaf. It's Joe's job. <laughs> okay. Honey, we need some yeah. coffee out here. <laughs> Look at the sky again. A little bit of snap there for a change. Look at the blending of the blue to the red. Yeah, That's but you, are you guys looking at it as well? It's fantastic. People are out there on the bike going, looking up, going, it's not there here. Yeah. Um, um, Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And SLS try. Get your cool try gear. Okay, guys, this week we've got some news, and there's a lot of news this week, isn't there? There is. Big news this week. We've got an age group of the week. We've got an interview with, uh, do you want me to turn you down, dear? We have a short interview with Justin Deer. Just uh, a short one, is it? Well, it is because uh, he's off doing stuff, and I thought, oh, I'm going to miss one time slot. And then I thought, oh, we'll, we'll just try to catch just for 10 minutes. Just He won Ironman Boulder yesterday, so I wanted to catch up with him because he's a We a had regular, him on the show a few weeks ago, well, we did and we lost really. the interview, so we didn't have him on. But it's we had recorded look. an interview. Best yeah. interview ever, too, wasn't it? It was. He gave it the, the secret to winning Ironman. Uh, yeah, you know? and then he delivered. Yeah. Thank you. Actually, I, you wonder if it was just... Karma, I thought if, if, he, if we let that out... Yeah, um, that's why we didn't put it on. Richie Cunningham might have known his secrets and they wouldn't have won. Exactly. So, Justin, we did you a favour. Are you going to do your Project 2014 update? Yes, I am. Okay, and then we've got some questions and answers. John News, big week for news, and we're going to start probably the biggest news of the week. John Newsom has been... A lifetime member of the Canterbury Triathlon oh, Club. There we go, yeah. Yep, got an email through from Dave, the loved one. Dr. Feelgood, Dave Dwine, just say, g'day. Just a bit of news for the I Am Talk podcast tomorrow. Johnny has been made a life member of the Canterbury Triathlon Club. Yes, we voted yesterday as a way to recognise his commitment, vision and passion for our sports and club. His work locally, regionally, nationally, internationally has been bloody amazing. The junior squads are strong with some very good athletes for the future. Although apparently triathlon needs those athletes. Uh, Johnny works really hard behind the scenes, I guess you know that already, and has lifted the profile of the sport to a new level, and we thought it was appropriate for him to reward his work um we have a voucher as well which which tell us about the voucher yeah i'm getting a i think it's a facial and a manicure, manicure and pedicure. pedicure there you go he'll love it I'll t- i might take that up straight after Conan. i'll come back i'll only, I'll only have half my nails there they'll go where well, are you supposed to get a pedicure when you haven't got any uh yeah, they're all gone t- they're all gone yeah so. i think it's a sign they're trying to get rid of me life member just try to oh, is that, is that thanks, the, thanks for your help get out <laughs> of here work. you've got you've got your award now leave us alone 
<laughs> Phil had the, the best point out. He said, nice work on your life membership. Sweet. Save yourself 80 bucks a year now. Yeah, that's right, mate. <laughs> you can retire. Okay, other results. So the big weekend, the big race, we'll, we'll talk about all the Ironman news in a second, but we'll talk about races first. So the first big piece of news we had was that Ironman Boulder was completed over the weekend, and Justin Deere did take it out. He did. A 53 swim, 424 on the bike, and a 256 on the run for 8.20.26. We'll hear a little bit more about that later on, hopefully, if we can get through to Justin. Uh, but he really won it on the run. Uh, Richie Cunningham had a lead on him off the bike. They basically biked the same bike split, um, but Justin was about three minutes down out of the swim, and he came home and caught him during the run. Uh, they, I think they stayed fairly close for a little while, and then he pulled away, and essentially it's a bit of a... I think Justin he has sort of based himself in Boulder part of the year and then elsewhere for the other part of the year, so a bit of a hometown victory, and um, good on him. And we also just interviewed Sue Aquila, who is on next week's show and um, we pre-recorded that and she was saying uh, he might might be going to Kona so we'll find out if he if he is um, he'll, he'll have to accumulate enough points so we'll see where he's sitting on the points ladder but um, I didn't know that was part of the part of the the plan but uh, we'll find out from Justin a little later on uh, Richard Cunningham was in second place he ended up losing 10 minutes uh, yeah, on the run he had a bit of an explosion mm. yeah apparently he was looking pretty strong and then just kind of blew up he's had so, he's so strong at 70.3 you know he really, is, really he? is one of the best in the world but hasn't quite cracked it at, at Ironman so he was second and those guys were just light years ahead of the rest of the field um we had Scott DeFilippis who ran through with a 302 and he ran himself up into third place and then uh Kurt Chesney was in fourth and Steven Zawalski was in fifth and then the girls started a race bit of a domination of the dojo well, it was interesting because uh, last week we, we could not find uh, easily a start list, so I had no idea who was racing. And then when I went over to look at the live coverage, I saw Laura Bennett was racing. Now, she is a former ITU star. She was on, uh, she went to the Olympics. Is went that to, Greg Bennett's partner? Yeah. Okay. And so she's won a lot of big races, uh, finished fourth at the Olympics, I think, in Beijing, I think it was. And uh, Ironman debut and was leading, swam, for, excuse me. Swam 54, rode 4.59, and then exploded on the run with a 3.44. Has she done many Ironman? No, this is her day. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I've okay. never even seen – I think she may have done a few halves, but, um, yeah, definitely a first Ironman. Okay. So she had a, a nice, healthy uh, – well, she wouldn't have had a big lead coming off that the bike. That was pretty even, wasn't it? Mm, but then she – boom, 3.44. I mean, she's a quality runner. You know, she's yep. a – ITU was an IT, a top ITU runner, so she, you know, if she, a good run for her would have been pretty close to three hours, in which case she would have you know, easily won it. But instead, she got smoked. So the winner was Danielle Kehoe, and she won by what's that? Nearly thirty minutes, twenty-five minutes. Yeah, twenty-five minutes. Swam one hundred three, biked to four fifty-two, and ran three sixteen. Laura Bennett was second. Christine Hammond was in third, and. Uh, we also had, uh, yeah, that was more, more or less it. There was also the Aussie girl, Carrie Lester, was leading early on, but she must have exploded as well. And they had Mary Beth Ellis and Rebecca Keat down, but they obviously didn't race. Right. Yeah, so um, so that was Ironman Boulder. So what else? Were we we had the Norseman there. And Apparently it's a pretty tough day. Yeah, it always is. I no, but even horrible conditions. Hor yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I can't even read my text there, Bevan. We've got Alan Hoyer, Hoyder. Um, he took it out in 10.52, and then Lane Foss in 12.56. And we had a challenged athlete there. He cranked it out in 
Wow. What's his name? I can't even Mohammed I'd say La Lana. Nice. Yep. Well done. Yep. Iconic race, Blue 70, big supporter of that. And if you want to get a Blue 70 wetsuit, guys, we've got three days left on our auction for uh, Blue 70 wetsuit, thanks of, well, to go towards our Legends of Triathlon podcast. So go onto our Facebook page or legendsoftriathlon.com. There's a link there. Always a killer deal. Always a killer deal. A-D-H, try, what was that, John? Alp Duez. Oh, okay, tell us about it. Uh, all I did was look at the results. Good old Skippy, Todd Skipworth. Took oh, it, Skippy. Took, took it out, 5.51 from Albert Marino and Gwenal oh, All Years, we'll go with. Uh, so they took. he had a six-minute victory. And then on the girls' side of things, we had good old Kat Morrison take it out. And she was, where did she finish overall? She was ninth overall. Took it out from Lucy Gossage, another good friend of the show. And Perry Edwards was in third place. So Kat Morrison basically took it on the bike because, uh, you know, it's a bloody challenging bike course. And even if you're an axe on the bike. Where do they run? Uh, up at the top of Alpe d'Huez. So, so, okay, so basically right up top they do a run around there. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's undulating. Yeah. It's, um, but you're basically running at... I don't know what elevation that Albert is, but probably close to 2,000 metres elevation. Yep. So it's a rolling course with a um, bit of off-road running as well. It's it's really cool. You're up very, very high. Have you done it? Uh, no, but we ha- we, we've we been up there on a camp and we've run sort of where they go. Yep. Um, but yeah, just a challenging day on the bike. And even oh, if it would be a great race, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, It'd outstanding. be an amazing race to do. Mm, mm, yeah. Very, very popular. But she took I put eight minutes into Lucy Gossage on the bike and, you know, Biking mountains is different to biking on the flat, and then they both had a similar run split and were pretty similar in the swim, so it was all about the bike for Kat Morrison, the Billy Goat Scruff for that race. Sorry, I'm yawning. Um, Sorry for keeping you up. Oh, I know. Jombo, mm. big news this week, and obviously this is what everyone probably wants to hear about, is the big news that Ironman have made some massive changes to the World Championship race, um, the prize purse for next year, and the structure of the racing for next year. So there's, they announced... A lot of changes at one time, didn't they? They did. So we knew this was coming. We knew on the Ironman side of things, they're going to have a split age group men and women's start, um, which we knew was coming. They'd announced that, but they hadn't said uh, exactly what the difference was. So it's going to be pro men starting at 6.25, pro women at 6.30, um, age group men at 6.50, um, age group women at 7 o'clock. So I think the implications for this are that for... 90% of the men, this is not going to make uh, much difference at all. There'll be a little bit less congestion in the swim and on the bike. Um, and on the, the female side of things, it is going to make it a very, very tough day for the faster woman. Um, for the middle and back of the pack of women, it's going to be a really big plus because they'll have a lot less congestion both yep. in the swim and the bike. But for the faster girls, it is going to be an absolute nightmare. Well, that's the thing I was wondering... Why didn't they make the gap just a little bit bigger? Because, like, a 10-minute gap's not that big. You know, the faster girls that we get up to the slower guys pretty quick. In and the swim. They swim. They're going to have to swim around them. They're going to have to swim around a lot of people. It's going to be a real hassle. So any any girl that, say, swims quicker than, um, let's say... Uh, swims four. Well, and I mean, over Kona, it's obviously okay, a bit yep. slower. But if you're an, an hour swimmer, you're going to be passing a lot of people in the swim. So yeah. it is only going to affect the faster girls in the swim um, to, 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 to some sort of degree but then the real challenge for, for all the fast girls is they're just going to have to pass so many people on the bike mm. so it's going to be an absolute nightmare I understand why they did it 
and I think it's got some real good positives for the middle and the back of the Packers. They're going to have a much more pleasant experience, I think. But the, for those front girls, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, for, for, for me and, for as I said, for a big chunk of the guys, it's really not going to make any difference. Um, I guess for the middle of the Packers, there'll be less people on the bike course. So well, Andrew, be, when we were, we were talking about this, he says that during the peak of... Uh, 2013 Kona Champs in transition they had just nearly 1200 athletes exit the water at 15 minute period mm. and in one period there was a 500 within a 5 minute period so it's, it's about getting more of a gap as well obviously mm. and, and they're saying that you know it's just impossible not to have drafting in that situation mm. um, yeah yeah I, I looked at it and I thought, definitely a good move, but I'm just not sure about the gaps. I think there probably could have been a bit more of a bigger gap. Mm. But it's a hard one, isn't it? It, it is, is a hard one. And because as you were saying, it's also, you know, the light becomes a problem because you can't start totally. the race any earlier. So. And it starts to have implications around the midnight cutoff. Yeah. And yeah. maybe things they can't go past midnight, who knows. The other th- changes I've made is uh, the professional prize purse structure is going to change in the States. They're going to have fewer focused professional races, creating a bigger prize purses in those races Um, all championship races will pay first through tenth um, a meaningful and re- re- regionally fair schedule that promotes more head-to-head competition between top professional athletes and improved sequencing of events with consideration of world championships. So they're going to be paying um, yeah, 10 deep in championship races uh, and then they are going to have some... Is it just championships or is it all races? says they're just championships. Okay. But what they are going to have in America, and they've obviously listened to what I was saying, is... Uh, they listened to they the listen. show, <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> how you going? How's your day going? They're, um, they're going to have some races that are age group only, so they're not going to have a pro feel to it. Now this, I, th- I find this just a really interesting moment in our sport because on triathletecompetitor.org.com, they had um, his press release or an interview that he did when he released this, and he's talking a little bit about. There was a little bit about, you know, how do how can the pros add more value to the sport, and it was just going to be really interesting to watch when you do have these. You know, someone did say, do you think not having pros at races are gonna, is going to affect the race? And it probably won't really will it. Not selling uh, uh, the race. Selling the, the race for the athletes and athlete experience, I don't think it will. In terms of um, promoting the event and getting media, more more mainstream media, I think that will be more of a challenge. But yeah, I think the impact will be negligible at some of the smaller pro races, you know, say something like a, a, a Placid or... or um, or Cord Lane, or some of those races which don't attract deep pro fields. I don't think it'll have um, a, a huge impact. I'm going to be really interested. Torsten, I'm going to have a job for you once everything, once all the prize money starts coming out. Is on the face of it, you're going, hey, this sounds like there's going to be more prize money, but I'll be interested to see if there is actually an increase in prize money or whether it's a reallocation of prize money. No, so he's saying, he's saying it's basically it's increasing to 5.1 million, which is a 3.7 increase from 20, oh, 2014. Okay. So it is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea is the one thing I found really interesting in, in his press release was there's 1,100 registered pro athletes. Mm, that, but that's for, for a lot of them. That's just oh, yeah, a, totally, a like, cost saver. Yeah, yeah, totally. But still, I wouldn't have that many. No. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's uh, it's a good move. I think it's um, what needed to, be, to happen. Um, the pros can go head to head more often. We get more meaningful races rather than you know what we had at Boulder. Fantastic for race for Justin and um, Richard Cunningham, but you know, it wasn't much of a race outside of that. So you know we well, want to see. Well, next year Boulder's one of those ones that has no money. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So basically, it's kind of about the timing of the year. Mm. So um, they've kind of gone around Kona. We're not going to really have money and and Mm -hmm. slots and points and such because we know those athletes are going to be focused on that. So let's put that Mm. more earlier. So I think now that the American Championships race is Texas, which is earlier in the year, so they've moved it from Canada. So it's all those little things that it's about, okay, where do we shift the energy? Where can the pros race the best? How can we pay deeper? So yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'll be. I think it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Oh, I think it's. I think it's a, it's a good move. So the North, as Bevan said, the North American Championships are moving to May. Texas, uh, May, which is good timing. They're also going to introduce a Latin American Championships in Brazil, Florianopolis, uh, which has been a long-standing race, and that'll also be in May. And then they will both be offering one hundred fifty thousand dollars, as they do at uh, Melbourne. And I'm not sure what the prize purse in Frankfurt. I know it's at least that, if not more. And then all the other races are more or less staying the same. With uh, Melbourne is um, staying, Frankfurt staying, seventy point three in Auckland, um, the Europeans in Wiesbaden, which is I think this weekend, and then they've got a couple of other seventy point threes as well. But one other interesting point that I, I picked up on this, which is, I don't know if it's an interesting point or not, but they said, in addition, all professional winners of Ironman and Ironman 70.3 regional championship races will receive automatic qualification to the respective world championships, what, 70.3 world championships. So I, I kind of think that if you won a regional race, you're probably going to have enough points anyway because you're going to win 4,000 yeah, points. So it didn't really make a difference. It doesn't make a difference, but I wonder if that means no. That, no, that doesn't go into the fifty qualifiers. Yeah, so it doesn't. It doesn't. So no, that's what Andrew said. It is. So okay. essentially, that's adding another couple of slots for pros. So another thing that he was talking about is they had a meeting with the pro females, I think in Boulder a few weeks ago, and he was saying that the females are kind of saying, "What's what's with us not having as many athletes in the race?" And he's saying, and that they haven't really done anything about that. But he says this is something we can address, and. The, the females were saying they don't care if it's less pros overall. It's you know it just should be the same for both male and females. And uh, and Andrew said that uh, basically uh, that would you know not to quote him, but it would basically mean that they may reduce the amount of male pros. And so there might not be 15 pros male and, and 35. Mm. It might be 40 40. So it'd be an even number. But the people who win qualification spots in the championship races don't count in their, those numbers. I don't get it. I mean, why don't they just add some more girls in there? I, I, I think it's a bad move reducing the guys because, you know, we've got guys like Bevan Doherty and stuff are only just scraping in. If you have a bit of a stuff up, Marino, guys like that, they're only just scraping in. Yet they could have a really good impact on the race. Now, obviously we know that adding more age groupers onto the course is going to create problems because it's just a limited space, but those pros are out there by themselves. So what's the, what's the impact if they just have... 50-50 or I don't know, whatever number they but come is it, up with. Is it purely just a profit thing? You know, like if you look at it and you go, well, you know, 10 athletes is what, how much is that about? How much would it cost you for an age group to do? How much did it cost you to Kona? Well, it's about $1,000 New Zealand, so I think it was, I think it was 800 or I can't remember, it was about yeah. it was eight, eight or 900 bucks. So it's, it's not going to... huge money, is it? No. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have been told that the issue in Kona is not the size of the pair. Um, it is basically numbers of people on the course. So why don't you just add in 20 pro females um, or an, an extra 10 or whatever it might be? Um, it's not going to reduce the number of age group slots and it's not really... Yeah, it just seems fairly easy to do. It's a couple couple of interesting things. I do think, uh, you know what, years ago you and I used to always talk about it's, it's a pity we don't see more of the top guys racing each other here. Kona was only ever the race 
we saw that. And, and over the last few years since I've added these championship races, we've seen, you know, more of the top mm. end racing that's been really good. And, and this definitely, to me, is going to see more of that racing on the calendar, which is, is actually helps the profile of the pros. Yeah. Which is really good. Makes it more interesting for the sport. You know, like when we get these lots and lots of mm. races and there's just kind of one guy kills it and, mm. you know, everyone's way back. Whereas when you're getting the top guys turning up at these races and they can still make some good money from it, it's, that's really cool. Um, what well, are the downfalls, John? I can't really see, to be honest. Um, I think it's. I, I just think they're, they're they're heading the right direction. I mean, we we all know that, that they should really be offering still more money, but at least they're making progress. And well, let's talk about that now. So later on in the show, we had in the show notes, we had um, a Forbes article. Basically, kind of there was a Forbes article. We went up with a link to it on dub dub dub. I'm talk me around the uh, Ironman Triathlon Equity Fund. Did you read it? No. Okay. Well, it was pretty interesting. So they're basically saying. Um, uh, some 200,000 athletes run did Ironman last year. Uh, results have been sevenfold increase in its annual revenue, jumping to more than 150 million. While registration fees for full distance Ironman are around 650, they generate half of their revenues from uh, its participation. And the company obviously makes money from other things like corporate sponsorship and host cities and stuff like that as well. Um, it's a pretty interesting read, and and they talk about that. that loan they had and how it mm. was a B loan and how mm. the reason is is because the sport is very vulnerable to global shifts and you know economic problems um, but one of the listeners sent us through an email saying that based on this article th- they kind of see that the, the profit was around about 50 million dollars last mm. year or in 2013 now if that is the case should the prize be should they be putting more than five million dollars into prize money of course, it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Is like, uh, uh, what is it? A three point one. But then, if races start selling out and there's no pros there, mm. why would you? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. As I said many times, you can see both sides of the story. Um, so, I don't know. I suppose the main thing is they're, they're they're taking some steps in the right direction, and you know, and who knows if all this stuff would have happened in terms of paying ten deep if it hadn't been for the. The, the, yeah. the, the real Starkey sort of paying out a seventh place. So I think more things like that, you know, keep adding a bit of pressure on there. It sounds like they are talking to the pros. You know, I saw Mary Beth Ellis was going to, went to that pro meeting with them. So it's it's heading in the right direction. And yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, I think the only other interesting thing will be interesting to see what happens to the points system next year. So it's in qualifying for Kona because it's quite a big shift in, in the way the points are allocated and, and all the rest of it. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, just how how that kind of the dynamic of people trying to qualify for a Kona happens. You won't be able to go do the sneaky. Uh, I'm just going to go win that race because yeah. I've, I've stuffed up two or three times. Uh, you know, say for a, so if we use a Bevan Doherty and a Marino example, you know, some of those races they went in and won um, may not be there anymore. There'll be yeah. less chances to to do it. So you will have to perform on the day rather than just DNFing and thinking I'll go do the next one because there might not be a next one. What about the kind of people who have, um, like the champions who've won in the past, Are they, do they have to go to points races to then validate their Ironman? Well, they'd have to go to a pro race. Well, do they? I'm sh- absolutely sure they would have to because yeah. you can't race as an age grouper if you're a pro. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so there's was, was big news and it seems like good stuff. Um, coming up this weekend is... What do you want to do, the gossip bug, section? No, it's bugger all coming up this weekend. Oh. We have uh, we have the Jurassic Man, another the race. The Jurassic Man, they have dinosaurs there. Yeah. Uh, in, in the UK, another race. And then we've also got the Cotswold 226, which I remember from last year. Um, when they were getting ready for that, they were pitching it as a really fast day at the office. So that's pretty much all we've got coming up this weekend. Okay, then, uh, Jumbo, we also talk about the gossip column. The gossip and column. So this is, uh, whether it's true or not, we have absolutely no we idea. We don't like to spread gossip, but... <laughs> this is quite a, quite a funny one. Okay, so first of all, the uh, United Arab Emirates got someone who lives there, uh, and this was in one of their tabloids, so definitely a rumour. So this is in a tabloid. Although bizarre that they'd have a triathlon story in a tabloid. In UAE. Yeah. The story, published in some newspaper in the uh, Middle East, is that Bahrain is Bahrain is looking to build a triathlon city and they want to buy WTC or challenge to be able to host the World Championships here. Sounds pretty stupid, but I don't think it's that <laughs> far from the truth. And it's not April. Why would you build a triathlon city, but? Well, I know that the Chinese have built this um, purpose-built triathlon course over there apparently is absolutely spectacular oh really so I, I think maybe a city is a bit um yeah they, they may be looking at doing like a tanya type thing where they build a massive triathlon venue and then they figure out a you know a bike circuit maybe a 45k loop which you would use for an ironman and have the world championships there i don't think it's as far-fetched it sounds pretty stupid but man those guys have just got billions they could just go yeah i want to buy that yeah it's like just buying a toy and we want the world champs here, so we'll do it. Uh, it did get me thinking about the whole, you know, I read that and I thought, well, it's a bit far-fetched, but, you know, it'd be interesting well, it's to see very vulnerable. I mean, it's just a business. They just yeah. need to go and say, we'll give you whatever billion dollars to buy your business. And they'll go, okay. Yeah, I'll take the money. We, 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 like, we like money. It's pretty obvious. We're in charge now. It's, so it's, it's it's not as stupid as it sounds. Oh, well, I, I, it, yeah, it's not, but I can't see it happening. But first of all, I think the thing is, is... This the one place the pros do hold the card is Kona. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you know, like if you know the the discussion Andrew was having in his, his release was it's kind of like well, you know we, we we're exploring how pros can add more value, and in a lot of races there are certain races like I'm in New Zealand where there's good PR in the country, you know, like I'm in New Zealand gets on the national news, they'll have big pieces, gets lots of coverage. So you know, having your Cam Browns, having your pros, yeah. Really important. It'll be interesting to see in these races in America where they aren't going to have pros to see the, how that dynamic shifts the feel of the race and the exposure the race gets. But Kona is definitely reliant on the pros. So if you took the World Championship away from Kona, what would happen to that race? Uh, you know, because like, it's yeah. such an iconic race. But if we look at some of the old, like you look at Nice, mm-hmm. you look at you know some of the old classics, once the big money and the top pros stop turning up, Mm. Those races lost their appeal, didn't they? They did. Imagine if the pros went on strike in Kona they yeah. said, and, and said, right, we're not racing. Wait, what was that? Do you recall the 80s? It was one where they went, Kona didn't no, turn up. No, they didn't turn up. And Scott Tinley went and he was playing basketball on the run course. Was he really? He was He was throwing a baseball around, just juggling or something like that. He, you know, none of the other guys turned up. They, so, they went to Nice. Was there, was there a bit of bad blood because he turned up? Um, have to ask Melina. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so go United Emirates. <laughs> Okay, sponsor. Got a great email through. I love getting these emails. That's no, a great email, John. Extreme Endurance. So um, I haven't even written down the name. Uh, who was it? Um, I sent some Extreme Endurance over to him on Australia. 
Oh, come on, John. He's written the email. You're giving him love. You haven't even got his name. I'll read the email. You find his name. I was skeptic. I'll read that. I was a skeptic of skeptics with immune boost. However, over the last 18 or so months, my wife has consistently struggled to hold off sickness. At this time of year, she could easily get sick every three weeks or a month or so. This hampers our lifestyle, definitely, but being self-employed also costs us money. So we thought we would give the immune boost a whirl for three months. The effect has been dramatic. My wife hasn't got sick at all, and she feels much more resilient and healthy. We are both very happy with it and would recommend it. So, again, for especially for you guys in the Southern Hemisphere um, who are going through winter at the moment trying to train, you're much more susceptible to getting sick. I've found it to, to work extremely well for me as well, and a lot of other guys have, so it's an extreme endurance immune boost. And certainly as I go through epic camps and camps, I'm basically taking as many of the extreme endurance products as you can just to try to stay healthy and fit. So I'll be taking extreme endurance, I'll be taking immune boost to try to help me avoid sickness. Um, then I'm taking um, Execute to help with my recovery. Um, so I'm taking the, the full the full Monty, and a lot of other guys are finding the immune boost working really well. So Check it out, xendurance.com. Use the promo code IMTALK5. And if you're Kiwis or Aussies, you can get in touch with me via coachjohnnewsome.com and uh, we can get you guys sorted out. So check it out. Check, 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 check it out. Okay, Jumbo, let's talk about this week's discussions. So discussion of the week this week, I'm just going to pull it up. We was, it was around Kona slots being um, removed from 70.3 races and um, is that going to have an impact? And also, if when you guys are selecting the races you're going to do, typically your Ironman, does having Kona slots um, influence your choices or not? Good old D-squared David Doherty makes no difference to me as I'm not going to be at the pointy end, vying for, pointy end and vying for a slot. I'm either going to outlive everyone else or win the lottery. Um, I can't find it, John. I'll scroll down a bit. It's there. How far down is it? Have you edited quite a few posts this week, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. Busy. Gary Fegan, I think it will make a, um, make a difference for those 70.3 races that were qualifiers. Whilst they promote this, this is not enough space on the course for Kona, I think the real reason is that they want the same prestige around the 70.3s. Just now, it's not that. Okay. Um, Bigger draw. How do you say, how do you pronounce? Kieran? Is that? Kefren. Kefren, is it? I strongly believe you shouldn't be able to qualify for Kona with a 70.3. You can't qualify for a marathon or other Olympic event by doing a half. I know you that uh, I know guys that are brilliant over 70.3 and rubbish at IM. How is that fear? And then it actually opened up a pretty big discussion. Him and Mark uh, Kethcart, uh, they kind of went on to a deep and he did Oh, I haven't actually read it. So, but they had a discussion. They had a discussion. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we also had uh, Kevin Sheen. I personally think the only way you should be able to race and qualify for Kona is by doing a full Ironman distance race, so it's not my criteria for selecting a 70.3 race. Um, I'll go along and I'll say Rob Lyons. He's got uh, several Ironman events. have over 2,000 starters with 50 or less Kona places available. That has to indicate that 80% plus are not focused on slots. Talking to my clubmates, those considering doing long and planning only doing one, want to be an Ironman to hear the words you are an Ironman brand, location, practicalities, logistics, course, time of year, costs, and what your mates want to do are bigger factors than most than Kona slots. 
John Ellis from Muscles Inc. here in Christchurch. If you need a massage, go check out John. Um, he says, yes, it has had an influence on him. I was going to do the Auckland 17.3 for a crack at a Kona slot and then follow up with Ironman Port Macquarie. And now I'm not going to do Auckland, but we'll focus on Ironman and save my... Because the slots have gone from Auckland self, now, they? Yep, yeah. Quite a bit of money in the process. So that was basically the exact approach I was taking. I was going to have first crack at Auckland 70.3 and then back have a backup plan for, for Taupo. And um, yeah. Okay. Um... I've got Pete Curry. Kona slots aren't a uh, consideration when choosing to do 70.3, and I don't think uh, you should have any for a Kona slot. Uh, Richard Willis, personally, I would never enter a 70.3 with the intention of going to co- getting a Kona spot, so it won't affect my race choice. It's about pride, knowing that if I ever get there, I did it racing an Ironman and worked my ass off, just like every other athlete on the start line did. Getting to Kona via anything other than qualifying at an Ironman race, unless you're a celeb, isn't right. They should never have had the Kona slots in 70.3 anyway, so it's just a good, been a good thing. Okay, John, your thoughts? Uh, I think I probably pretty much agree with um, John Ellis there. Is, uh, if I'm trying to get to Kona, then I'm going to go to a 70.3 if there was one. Um, anyway, just play by, play by the rules. But I totally agree that there shouldn't be any slots at 70.3s, but there was, so I was playing by the rules. But um, I think they've made the right decision. And so it would, for me, it would have had an impact if races did have or didn't have slots. So, again... With the Kona 70.3, I was that was my last backup plan for, for getting a Kona slot. So I think it's only going to affect those few at the pointy end. Mm. Yeah, I'm saying I'm kind of nowadays. I can, you know, I do see why they had it in the past. You know, like in the past, the sport wasn't as big, and there was there was a crossover time where they, they probably could have done this earlier. Mm. Um, you know, the sport is, has become this massive thing, um, which is great. And uh, so you know, like. But early on, you know, back in the old days, you didn't even have to qualify. And mm. then over time, it became required. And then over time, you know, slowly 70.3 started to lose the slots. And um, so, yeah. And But, you know, like, as John says, there were rules. And you, as long as you're playing within the rules. So, yeah. Yeah, it does seem odd that it took them this long to come to this. Yeah, I, I do think that. Like, it, it's, you know, like, it probably should have happened maybe five to seven years ago, really. Mm. But now, you know, now it's at a point where it's ridiculous to think 70.3 is going to have to kind of slots. So. Totally. Okay. Um, this week's discussion. So we've got an email through from Jen. Jen who, John? Jen. Good old Jen. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say maybe Fira. You can say that if you want to. Well, yeah, because if you look at email, anyway, I struggle with nutrition on the bike, especially. Uh, I eat well. I eat well normally, but hate eating when not hungry, and so don't keep enough energy requirements say, over thirty miles. With all the podcasts you have done, and uh, have you had the dietitian connections that can help me? Hard to find online. I've tried uh, Nutritomy by Dr. Dan, but I need something personal. I want to get through this to get through my first. 140.6. So the topic basically is the best nutrition places you've found nutritional advice, apart from our wonderful podcast where we've uh, basically confused, confused the hell yep. out of everybody. <laughs> we haven't helped at all. <laughs> uh, so you can say that was a, your podcast is the worst for trying to figure out what you're doing. But yeah, if, if well, I think got, it's the state of the state of this. You know, this area right now. Yeah. You know? But basically, we want to know the best, um, where you've got the best nutritional advice. If there's any particular websites or anything like that. Or so even we can help people. You know. 
yeah, but that's going to be a bit. If they do on, maybe if they do online stuff. Yeah, um, actual people you've actually worked with. Yeah. So not just I read, you know, I'm really into Rob Wolf. It's no, I've worked with this person and they've been really awesome at mm. helping me achieve. Mm. So your best nutritional advice or sources for nutritional advice. Okay, I'm going to put some music on, Jumbo. Here we go. Guru of the week. Okay, John, we got an email through from being the ben. running man, sure. Yes, we did. And he was a he's a regular contributor to the show. He recently had a high 10. He sent through about 10 points, and we, I was going to use five. But Evan said, no, 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 let's use them all. Hey, we did. And he just wanted a bit of clarification on the changing of tyres things because he said, there's some people out there that don't really know how to change their tyres very well. <coughs> he said, most triathletes know how to change a puncture. But if you don't do it very often, you might not know how to do it under pressure. My yeah, little joke. Fast. Oh, yeah. That, That's when, the key. Uh, when you, when, I know when I've changed them, when I've had been doing like a time trial, a really hard interval, your hands are shaking, you're bending yeah. over and you're, you're qua- your hamstrings start bloody f- shaking around. So You're trying to qualify for Kona and all the guys are passing you. Yeah. You know, like, it's just the added pressure, isn't it? Doing it under pressure is different. My little joke about Rebecca Keat was referenced to the 2008 Kona race when Chrissy almost lost a day because she messed up trying to change a tyre. I'm sure Chrissy knows how to change a tyre, but not doing it well was almost game over. Wasn't it her, her gas canister that... I think she just generally made a balls up. Oh, really? I think she didn't get the gas. Uh, didn't get the gas thing on properly. Was she out? It was a long time too, wasn't it? It wasn't just like I think it was eight, eight, I don't know, maybe eight, ten minutes, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I remember, I remember watching it, and she was just on the side of the road forever. And we also did have a few weeks ago um, Bevan's suggestion for you guys to give us nicknames, and Ben Shaw came up with a great one, the Kiwi Tsunami. For, for me? The, oh, for oh, me. Oh. And he did his peas, apparently. <laughs> I figured out I was going to give, uh, if I was going to be giving an I Am Talk nickname, I'd better do it properly. So I went on to Athlinks, sponsor alert, and looked up my Ironman New Zealand results. I noticed that you were very consistent. and um, Not like you came out of the water in third, then off the bike in 12th, and then ran back up. Instead, you were just relentless and consistent, and that put uh, put me to mind what the great wave. You're, I'm making a pig's ear That's of this. Right. Your competition might think you're just tame sea or a regular wave. They'll break on the beach, but you just kept building and building, unstoppable all the way to the finish, the Kiwi Tsunami. There you go. There do you, you like go. that name, do you? Yep, I'm sticking. You should get a tattoo. I should. Have you got a tattoo? No, I don't <laughs> like tattoos. <laughs> what do you think of all the kids nowadays then? Yeah, no. Do you look at the girls with all those, those sleeves? Youths. <laughs> Youths. You. What happens when Felicity goes, Dad, I want to get a tattoo? Not happening. Oh, really? You're going to pull rank out yeah? Mm. That's when they get them, John. Because mm. my daughter, she's a bit out there, and she's got the piercing on her face and stuff like that. Oh, and, uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she got, and, I've, and I've, I've always said to her, "Baby, if you want to get tattooed, it's your body. You can do what you want, but make sure you get a real good one." And she's never got it, mm. you know. And and uh, so you know, you're, you're, you know, so good. Uh, um, but Ben also sent through an age group of the week. Okay, and then finally, I've got to an age group of the week to nominate for you. My friend Laurie, how to say, McCartney, uh is an amazing inspiration. In 2009, she qualified for Kona. A few weeks before the race, she suffered an injury to her. Oh. Sciatic nerve. Sciatic nerve. Ah, oh, it hurts. I've had that. Have you? Mm. Across your back. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Nice. Um, in training, with the rest uh, and treatment, she felt like she was good to go for the race. But early in the run in Kona, she stumbled slightly and aggravated the injury. Oh, a mile six, she was walking hunched over, but determined to finish. Unfortunately, her body gave out less than a mile from the finish line as midnight came. Oh. Here's a short video of her talking about her Kona experience. We'll put a link to it. We'll make that this week's video. Determined to not let that be the end of her triathlon story, she went on to finish five 
five more Ironmans, including qualifying for Kona again in Taupo in 2013. She went to Kona that that year and finally got to the finish that she deserved but that's not all this may she reached ironman brazil where despite getting her hand broken when she was accidentally kicked during the swim she set a 45 minute ironman pr and won her age group 60 to 65 in a 12 45 42 all with a smile on her face and a wonderful attitude she's a picture and of poise and disappoint i mean sorry and determination a real nice lady and a great athlete that's why i'm recommending her for age group of the week that is awesome, isn't it? Awesome work. Imagine. Laurie McCartney. The McCartney. disappointment of being a mile from the finish. So you basically got to the top of Palani and you'd probably be running down Palani and then it ticks over at midnight. That, that's got to be the worst. Especially mm. because, you know, like, sure, just, you know, that being close to the finish, but to, for, you, you know, you, to have this injury mm. and it to pop up in the beginning of the run mm. and then work your butt off to get to the finish mm. and then a mile... It's rip, nothing. It would rip your jocks, Bevan. That would rip her jocks. She probably wasn't wearing jocks, let's be honest. But, right. um, but if she was, they would have been ripped in that moment. And But obviously, uh, was it Laurie? has a lot of character. And she's come back and set a PR in 45 by 45 minutes. And we will see her in Kona later this year. So outstanding effort. I love it when people have, who have been racing for a long time have a PR like that. Oh, yeah. You know, like because if you've done it, you know, everyone who does their second race... Mm. Well, not everyone, but majority of people who do this second race are always way faster. Like, oh, my God, I'm unbelievable. It's normally because your first race is pretty poor. But, mm. you know, when you've been doing it for a while, gains are pretty hard in a 45-minute gain. And when you're getting older, you know, she's in the 60 to 65 age group, and sometimes you start to see her petering off in speed as you get older. But no, not no. Laurie. Not Laurie. She's a legend. Laurie the legend. You are our age group of the week. week. Sponsor. Bevan. It's I'm, me. I'm a hypocrite. Oh, don't tell me something I don't know. <laughs> we, we, uh, when compression socks first coming out, I'm going, you guys all look like... Yeah, because you were worried about the fashion statement. You guys look like dogs. Do you wear them to bed? Uh, I wear tights to bed occasionally. <laughs> Belinda loves it. Yeah, there's another story there, but we won't go there today. Uh, now... Basically wearing my SLS socks all the time. Are you? Every run. And I've got some more on order for, for for Epic Camp in Canada. And as I said, you know, I'll be taking my extreme insurance. I'm basically trying to do everything I can each day to try to minimise, whether it be a half a percent, a percent, a quarter of a percent, two percent, whatever it is, I'm trying to minimise the damage on my body. And I really feel that the compression socks make a nice little difference in terms of... Uh, Looking after your calves and looking after your Achilles, and they actually feel I feel really good. I usually leave them on for quite a while after I finish sessions. Do you and smell? Sorry, you go So I do really feel like they make a big difference, especially on my longer runs. Um, feel like I get less less fatigue, and certainly find that yeah, but especially my Achilles. You know, I sometimes get a bit of you know a little tender in the Achilles, but when I'm wearing the socks, significantly reduced. So yes, I put my hand up. I'm a hypocrite. I always said you look like an idiot when you wear socks. So now you look like an idiot. I look like an idiot. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Look like an idiot, but at least I'm an idiot that's reducing my risk of muscular fatigue and but injury. But let's be honest, it actually is the fashion of the sport now. Mm. You know, like that's what triathletes do. Mm. You know, like it's everyone's got these compression socks on. John, I was just on their website. You know my $25 t-shirt policy? You can get one. That's right. Yep. Property. Vintage style. It's pretty cool. I got one of those on order too. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty cool. Property of SLS Tri Athletic Department, established 2007. It's a cool-looking T-shirt. I'll take a picture. 2490. Yeah, 2490 meets your deal. There you go. If you're in uh, the States, free shipping. 
you're outside of the States, you can still use your promo code I am talking, you'll get a discount. So check 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 it out. You can still get our tri suits there. So you can. Cool. So still got the tri suits. But the good thing with their socks is they've got a big variety of colours. Um, so good great for you girls and boys. If Phil Phil's got a pair of little turquoise SLS socks. Yep, just do you like that look for you know, like, do you think quite, he looks like an idiot? Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We probably all do. <laughs> Um, so check it out, slstry.com. Great selection of socks. Um, helps your calves stay in shape. Helps your Achilles stay in shape. John, good for your recovery. I'm on this site right now. And uh, go to compression. Compression. Okay. Go down. You got you got you got your FXC compression socks. They look pretty classy. Then you got your butterflies. That, that's what they're, they're looking good. Is that what uh, Phil's got? Is it the butterflies? No, he's got the ones uh, the blue? second column down on the right. Okay, the ones I'm the slightly concerned socks. about compression quad sleeves. Now, it's not that I'm concerned about them, but the photo they've got is a little bit concerned. Yeah. So the quad sleeves are basically like a, like a okay. leg warmer, but just the, the top section of your quads. And the guy doesn't, not sure if he's got anything on. <laughs> Above it. Yeah. If they're from behind it, it kind of looks like the bum cracks around the wrong way. Exactly. <laughs> so but they've got a good range, great range of compression stuff there. They've got the, either the socks or the sleeves, and the sleeves are definitely the option to go for um, for racing in terms of ease of getting them on. Plenty of people do put the socks on, but the sleeves will go on a little bit easier. Uh, so check, check, check it out, slstry.com. Oh, John, I've hurt my back. Oh, you poor Here, give me a rub. Sorry? Oh, do you want to give me a rub? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll pass on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's put it on the interview with Justin Dio. Ironman Boulder winner this weekend. First ever win for an Ironman, wasn't it? I think it was his first. I think it probably is. He's had some good results, but I don't know if he's actually cracked the win. So yeah. um, let's have a listen to Justin Got the Dio. W. Got the W. Here we go. Righty-ho. We are here with the Ironman, inaugural Ironman Boulder champion, course record holder, <laughs> Justin Deer, welcome along to the show, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. Right, we've got a few things to discuss. We want to obviously talk about the race. Um, first time racing in Boulder, well, first time Ironman racing in Boulder. Maybe just fill us in on, on what the day was like in terms of how the event. the event went, and then we can maybe move on to your performance. Um, well, you know, the race is, uh, is a really big race. They, they said it was the biggest Ironman um, to date, I guess, in terms of number of participants, and there's two transition areas, and so it's you know it's a bit of a logistical undertaking, and and I thought they did pretty well um, from what I could see of mm. uh, kind of sorting it out and getting it together. And um, as far as the weather in August, it was it was pretty ideal. I mean, it was it was warm, but it can be really hot, mm. uh, desert-like at this time of year. So it's probably a good. It's probably I don't know maybe. Mid 80s or about 30 degrees C. Yeah. Um, no, no clouds. Totally sunny. Um, and and light winds. Uh, so not um, so so pretty good all, all in all. Um, so yeah, so that was cool. And then um, as far as the race itself, um, you know, it pretty much came down to uh, I lost three minutes to to Richie in the swim, and then on the bike we were. He was off the front. I was riding in second. We were basically um, at one point. I think the gap grew out to uh, maybe close to five minutes, and then by the uh, the end of the bike, it had come come back down some, maybe closer to what it started at three minutes something, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Are and you, are you getting reports when you're out on the course? You know, we know at Kona and stuff they have leaderboards and all that sort of stuff going on. But are, are you getting reports from out on the course to know where you're at on the bike? I mean, yeah, you you hear you hear all kinds of things. You know, some people <laughs> just throw throw out like. Oh, you, you know, he's right there or, or like, oh, you're like 15 minutes down or something. So, um, but you can, you can kind of tell, um, who's giving you accurate information and, um, you know, nothing's going to change dramatically. So if a split was four thirty, it's not going to go to eight minutes in, yeah. you know, 10 K or something. So, um, so I was getting information somewhat frequently enough to know, um, when the gap was kind of going out and then when it was starting to come back down a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, in terms of your feeling on the bike and stuff, are you feeling like this is going to be a good day? It's, it's hard to gauge when there's only really two of you in there. Did you feel like you had a great ride or, or a good ride? What was your thoughts on the bike ride? Well, you know, this race was a little different just because it was, it was just, uh, you know, it was just kind of head to head. Like he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. And, um, you know, we weren't riding in a group or anything like that. So there, it was just kind of riding, which uh, I haven't. I haven't had a race like that in a while where you get to do that. So I feel pretty comfortable in those positions. I mean, I'm comfortable with having to time trial uh, the whole time and sort of gauge my effort. Um, and I really, really felt like I had studied the course well. So I knew certain sections I wanted to ride harder and other sections I wanted to ride easier um, where I knew it would be a little bit faster. Hmm. And I felt like I, uh, I balanced that out pretty well just because I had done a couple simulation rides out there sort of testing it out and i, I kind of felt like um like i had had a good sense of where you needed to put out your efforts on the course to get the best return for your time mm. so, so coming off the bike we know that richie cunningham has been and yeah he's always in pretty hot form on the 70.3 circuit but perhaps haven't seen that transfer across to to iron man um what are you sort of thinking coming off the bike are you purely focusing on what you're doing or are you thinking right i've got him right where i want him uh, i definitely didn't think i had him right where i wanted him <laughs> uh-huh. i mean i was a little bit encouraged by the fact that the gap on the bike was coming down um near the end because sometimes that means you know maybe somebody's starting to feel tired or something like that um but we got out on another run and and i um uh i'd say through the first lap all the splits i were getting were you know within seconds of each other like we were running what would be close to identical pace in terms of you know right around three minutes um you know give or take a few seconds was was the split i was getting Mm. Um, so, you know, I didn't feel a sense of urgency to try to get across or anything like that, or try to push it down, um, you know, through a loop of the run. I usually, usually at least through the first half of the run, I, I don't think too much about, um, the splits, uh, if they're holding steady. And then, um, I sort of felt like if, if, um, if I went through the halfway point and within the next five to 10 K the gap didn't start coming down. I was, I was going to be in trouble. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately it started to come down right then. And, uh, I got across at about mile 17 or so. Mm. And, um, and then I was able to take the lead from there. Did you smoke straight past him or did he, did you, did, was that a, a tactical maneuver you made or did you just keep it steady? No, I just kept, I just kept it rolling. Um, it, it, I mean, things changed so quickly. I, I figured, um, 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like the gap was coming down, you know, something where you've been closing it at five seconds a mile or something like that. Mm. Um, it went from, from three minutes to, to I was there and probably three miles. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's, in, in those sorts of situations, it's, now you never know, yeah. you know, I don't take anything for granted. So when, you know, when I took the lead, I, I didn't think, oh, you know, I've got this or something like that. I mean, I was, I was scared until, you know, I got the banner in my hand. So. <laughs> but, but, but like, you know, there is that kind of underlying fear that comes before Ironman races of, of what if, you know, it all goes to custard. Um, did you feel in control? Did you, as much as you, there was that underlying fear, did deep down, were you in a, were you working in a range that wasn't pushing it too hard? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think in the final, um, you know, 10 K or so, I, I was definitely trying to make sure I was just taking care of myself and, you know, make, you know, taking as much calories that you want at every aid station. I mean, I think with half a mile to go, I was still drinking Coke, you know, just like <laughs> afraid I'm going to fall over and like, <laughs> something and be that guy. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely, I was trying to think about managing myself, but I was, I was trying to, um, not let myself think about the finish at all and just think about wherever I was, even if it was getting closer and closer. Um, I just wanted to think about, okay, you're at mile 24 right now. You need to think about mile 24. Don't think about anything else. And, and, um, you know, I think that that was good. And what moment did you allow yourself to, you know, like there, there is that moment where you know, you've got it. Um, what was it like? Uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, the, first of all, the, the crowds in Boulder were, huge really huge yeah and the the finishing shoot was i thought the finishing shoot like when i came off the creek path where the main portion of the race is and then you kind of run on this street i thought that i was right at the end of it within a couple hundred meters and then it kept going for like <laughs> 500 okay. there were people everywhere and it was amazing i i you know and um as i was getting closer to the shoot i mean there's a lot of friends or and people had been following the race all day long that were standing there and were congratulating me. And I think in that instance, I was able to say, okay, now, I've, now I've got it. But at the same time, I still wanted to run and get across the line and make it real. And then I would be willing to turn around and sort of acknowledge, okay, I did it. Yeah. So in terms of, yeah, it's your first Ironman win, um, from what I can see, how big a deal is it for you? Oh, that's a really big deal. I mean, I have had, um, this is my, so, 29th Ironman. I've um, uh, I've finished 26, so I've had three DNFs. So, but 29 attempts at trying to do well. Now, granted, I wasn't always it wasn't always like you were trying to win. You know, 13 years ago, I wasn't trying to win. Um, yeah. Even a few even a few years ago, but I definitely feel as though since like 2011 or 2012, that's been the real goal. And so that that has been a lot of. Um, you know, falling short of, of what I was attempting to do. And not necessarily because I was doing anything wrong, but because I was, I was getting beat by good people. I mean, yeah. there's, there's only some, you know, there's only so much, sometimes there'd be tactical mistakes, but other times I was just straight up, you know, I was racing well, but people were just racing better. Mm. So in terms of your performance, is it, I mean, a, a win is a win's a win and that's awesome, but is it your best performance? I definitely felt like my, uh, you know, the result was in line with my performance in terms of like, I felt like I was, uh, you know, I was racing hard and, and really, really trying. Richie was making me really, really work for it. And, mm. uh, 
to be able to kind of stay in contention until the end there and then, then take it over. I mean, I was proud of that. Um, I know it was, the race was really between he and I, but I felt like we were giving each, we were pushing each other to, to try to get it. I mean, it was, it was so I was proud that I was able to pull it off. Nice. I have to say, well done. Like, like, well done. I'm sure you're feeling pretty proud of yourself anyway. But, you know, as you say, you've done so many of these races and you've obviously spent a lot of time and energy and resource in developing yourself. And, you know, a lot of guys do that career and don't get that win. And, you know, to kind of knock that out is, I'm sure it's pretty special and it's a bloody awesome achievement, mate. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we, we were just, before we. Um, finish up we were just discussing before how it's a bit different for you guys we're saying oh have you been at the prize giving you're going out and partying and you're saying that it doesn't really work that way in the states compared to in New Zealand you know we typically race on a Saturday and then uh, you know you have the um, maybe go out for breakfast and then you party pretty hard on Sunday night and have the awards that that way but it doesn't doesn't work the same way in the states most of the time yeah it seems like um, you know most of the the awards and everything else are um in the morning after. And so probably, I mean, sometimes maybe noon or something like that, but it's, it's all kind of wrapped up in a weekend. I mean, I, I sort of felt as though, I mean, maybe I'm being nostalgic, but it kind of seemed like back in the day, people kind of took it easy afterwards. Um, now it seems, uh, you know, people, uh, myself included, I've done it too. You know, I mean, I might be in a, on a flight, you know, that afternoon, the day after the race. And some people are catching flights, you know, the morning after not even going to anything. So yeah. it's definitely, People are booking out of town, maybe, and not not staying to uh, enjoy festivities as much. It seems. Oh, bugger that! Yeah, mate, you got to party the next night. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's the only reason you do the yeah, races. I mean, <laughs> definitely in, in Hawaii, they they seem to party. Oh yeah, we had some yeah. big big parties in Hawaii. <laughs> and that's another question. So I mean, you've had some good results this year. You know, you were third in Texas, um, first in Boulder. Um, does this mean you're looking at Kona? I mean, will you be in? Will you have enough points? And is that a consideration for you? Uh, yeah, I think um, maybe after Tremblant, I have a better idea of I'll make the cut because there's a lot of points to go out um, that weekend. I think Ironman Sweden is that weekend as well, and maybe Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, so um, I think after that, I probably have a good idea of where I'd stand. But uh, if I do make the cut, I'm going to go this year. Cool. Oh, cool. Nice yeah. work. Oh, it, oh can, can I just ask one question? Because this race next year is one of the races that won't have prize money and points. It's one of the age group races. So, what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I um, people were kind of telling me that like an hour or two after uh, I had won. So yeah. that was kind of a bummer because um, it was already decided that I wasn't going to be able to try to come back and defend or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that's all going to play out. I mean, I don't know if they're planning on. Um, rotating races um, or just permanently saying these races are always going to be, you know, the races that we have pro fields and these aren't. So, um, so I hadn't really, like, I haven't even, um, I didn't even really get to read through all the details of the, the article and everything like that. And all, I mean, I know the gist of everything, but um, I've been kind of just running around and haven't really sat down to, to catch up on the, mm. the specifics, but through what everybody has told me, I pretty much gather, I know most of it. The, uh, that course record's looking pretty safe right now. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to own it forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think it would be, um, I mean, I know the field, I know it didn't draw a huge field this year, but I do think that it's a really, really good venue for a pro race, um, just in terms of the, the media coverage is quite good here. And, and you know, uh, the Denver media was, was kind of all over it and the Boulder media was all over it. And uh, so I think in terms of, 
um, when they're trying to choose races that maybe will get a little more exposure, uh, I think it could be a good one. Um, so maybe down the road, if they want to, um, you know, alternate, uh, which races have pro fields, maybe they would consider this one, uh, as one to bring back to the, to the table. Nice work. Guys, if you want to follow Justin at all, go to endurancecorner.com. They've got a whole bunch of uh, things coming up there. And if you want to go on any of their camps, you'll be able to go and train with now an Ironman champion. So nice work, Justin. And um, we will look forward to catching up with you and potentially seeing you over in Kona. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome, mate. Okay, Jumbo, that was Justin Deere. Let's have a little talk about what is he going to make? Project Twenty Fourteen. Project Twenty Fourteen. Okay, so we're now what about sixty-eight days away? I know it's ticking down pretty bloody fast. Oh, I can't wait, man. I just need a holiday. Yeah, you need a new computer as well. That's a big uh, motivation for going to kind of yeah. We're buying two computers because we're going to buy a Mac Mini for Joe. What size of Mac? is a Mac Mini? Obviously smaller. Well, the problem is Joe only needs a computer for word processing. Internet, like not big, you know, whereas me, I'll yeah. do, you know, <clears throat> graphics and stuff like that. So I need to pass the computer. So she's got my old computer, but it's a bit of a dog now. But the screen's fine. Mm. And the Mac Mini is just the computer, but it's a lot cheaper. So it's just a little box, but it's a lot cheaper. And if you're just going to do those types of things, so we're going to buy that for her and then just use her old screen. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So she go, yeah, and it's like like half the price nice. of getting a new iMac. So so getting that and then I get a new laptop. But, John, yep, anyway. 68 days to Kona. So Project 2014 is on track. 3K straight from this morning. Saturday morning, Bevan. It was a beautiful day. It was day. unbelievable. Yesterday on Saturday. Now, Christchurch in summer, sits, the weather sits somewhere between 20 and 30. Your case, more 20 to 25 degrees centigrade. Yeah, but sometimes you get 30. Pretty rare. Yeah. But so, you know, like it's, you know, so on Saturday we got 22, which is like a summer day. It was, it was ridiculously hot. It so was we get, beautiful. We get this crazy sort of wind that comes over the mountains and then it just warms up the whole whole city. And so um, I had a race organised for Sunday, so I was putting on a duathlon. And so I knew it was going to be a zero-day training. Yep. See, so then I'll, I'll get ahead. I've got to get my three. I've got to get a three-hour run in. Ooh. I had to get a three-hour run in. Saturday morning. You don't teach on Saturday mornings, do you? I got my runners. Runners, yeah. So Saturday morning, Belinda and Jen go to the gym. They have to leave at 7.30 in the morning. Oh, so you had a dilemma. So... Because you're like, oh, if, if I'm going to change my training day. So normally you do run on Sunday, do you? No, no, normally I do it during the week, but I had to get a three-hour run in and I wasn't going to fit it in during the week. Saturday morning was going to be a three-hour run. That meant starting 4.20 in the morning. Oh, joy. And it happened. It was brilliant. Got up at four, popped a no-dose, had a bit of you can. Took a, I've got to give Fuel Belt a bit of love. We got these um, Fuel Belt thing. Oh, I'll find them in a second. We got these Fuel Belt um, little oh, you um, talked about waist, waist thingies. Yeah. That you can put some gels in the back. I fitted all my nutrition I needed for three hours just in this little belt there. It was absolutely brilliant. It doesn't bounce around like other things. Like you put a bum bag or put it in your pockets, it bounces yeah, around. Yeah, that's the problem. That's why I always struggled with them. Little Fuel Belt things. And I had uh, two Ems bars in there and a gel. Hydration belt, they're called. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Didn't bounce Highly around. Highly recommend. Didn't even notice it. Uh, so starting at 4.20 and Phil's supposed to meet me out there and I'm like, Phil's going to sleep and he's not going to make it. So, Is he pretty unreliable? Uh, he's, reason- he's reasonably reliable, but he's had a few flakeouts recently. But, <laughs> but um, Is he through, still through, as well? Yeah, but th- so, some of the stuff has been st- uncontrollable things. And I'm thinking, I said, look, I'll see you out there when I do. I'll run towards your place and I'll come past your place. And if you're there, you're there. If you're not, it's not a big deal. Come up past your place, start running down the hill. That's our exact halfway. Within a couple of minutes, here comes Phil. Game oh, on. Oh, nice. So we banged out a, a three-hour run at 4.20 in the morning. And 
best three hour run of my life oh, really? without a shadow of a doubt joy just so beautiful we would, it was it was nice warm conditions but we just were just drilling it and it was just easy so in the last hour we were doing uh so the first two hours we we're just running by feel and we were actually tapping out a pretty nice pace so was, we were doing the nine minute run one minute walk yep. just feeling fresh as daisy and then, fresh as a daisy and then in the last hour i said right we're cranking it up we're going to do 2k at ironman pace um and then 1k easier so ironman pace for us is around about four minute 15 to four minute 20 per k which is three hour marathon pace We're doing 2k on then 1k easier 2k on 1k easier just started cranking it cranking into it just drilled it then i was coming back past your place on the bottom it's popping out like a four minute k oh mate so, this is ridiculous. I, I actually woke up on saturday morning i saw this blur yeah i thought what's that it's just so fast you know normally you finish a three hour run you holy yeah. you smoked felt like i'd done now oh, brilliant. brilliant so look out Paul Pod O'Doherty, there's not going to be any sprint finish. You are out the back door. Oh, and really? Running over there. <laughs> yeah, it's game over, Rover. <laughs> so everything is going pretty good. And I think it's called the Super Stretch Race Pack. Yeah, that sounds yeah. silly. It's bloody good. So Project 24 needs all go. Just got a one more week of training and then just a little taper off into Epic, Epic Camp and it is game on. Oh, good luck. Picking up a new bike today. Picking a new bike? Yeah, yeah. Woo, woo, woo. I'll talk about that next week when I've Same, same brand? Yep, Sipo. It is looking pretty hot. Oh, wow. Your bike looks pretty hot too. Yeah, this new one looks even hotter. Hotter. It's the upgrade. Yeah. Okay, sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. Bevan, you keep asking me, oh, where are you going to finish in Kona? Where are you going to finish? Oh, you're talking a big game. Oh. Because you are. I'm not talking a big game. Well, what talking, did you just say to Pod? I'm talking a real, what did you just say? I'm talking a realistic game. A realistic game. Five-star race it is. It is a five-star race. So I went on to Athlinks.com and I'm thinking... Okay, if you had your best day ever in Kona. Let's go check out. The cool, cool thing with it, it's got all the rankings. It, obviously, it's, uh, and then you can go in by age group. And I'm thinking, how did the guys in my age group go last year? So I went age group, and then I could go and search in on my 35 to 39 age how group. How old are you now? I am 38. Oh, 38. Yes. So I'm not a female, which I just selected. I'm actually a male. Yeah, um, no, because female, you'd definitely probably take it out. 933. Yes, 9.33. If I didn't do that, I would Stephanie be rather Adam. disappointed. Yep. Now, Joe, stop. Joe, So we're going to pause this part of the show. Just wait there. Now. Wait, what are you doing? Just hold Leave on. Leave my partner alone. Hold on. Leave her alone, Joe. Get off here. Get off here. Bevan's been insulting you. <laughs> I've been insulting you. Tell me what this feels like. <laughs> was that good for you? That was all right. Yeah. Apparently it's better than sex. What, what, what did I say? This is a class. So I just did a Mexican wave to Joe, and Bevan's been insulting Joe. What did I say to And, and, getting, I say and, and getting, oh. getting, getting the rest of us females no nookie because he's in a flipping Les Mills class. Yeah, that's right. Does a Mexican wave and says, better than sex. Yeah, it was. Oh. Yeah. Poor Joe. Joe, Joe. Poor Joe. Mexican wave doesn't work with one person, John. Joe didn't oh, know what you were doing. Boy, I felt for Joe. I thought, God. You okay, just, you're going to give me told, crap about that. You've told about 500 people. It's, you're right. It was better than sex. 500 people were doing a Mexican wave. The thing, if you're going to give me a hard time about that, I've got to give the girls a hard time. Go for it. <laughs> you've got no problem here. What's with the shoes? 
What's with the shoes, okay? The girls have the same shoes. They've got the same bloody everything. They, they, seriously, I was doing my class the other night, and they're sitting there, and, and they're, they're, they have these little inside jokes, those two. So you're yeah, in the class, and they've all these little inside jokes, and they're giggling away, and I think they're laughing at other people in the class, to be honest. Yeah, th- your thoughts are right. Yeah, and, uh, and and Belinda sometimes doesn't play the game either. She won't, like, if the Mexican way, so I'm sure she won't do yeah, it. She's too cool for school. Yeah, so, but she's not, because, she, you know, that's why, you know. And I look at their feet, and they both had the same new pair of shoes on. Yeah. That's all that about, Wallace. Yeah. I was like, come on, girls, sharp it up. Yeah. So, bloody Lululemon's going to make me bankrupt soon. Oh, they, they know how to charge, don't they? Anyway, I just had to get that out of my system because Belinda comes back and says, oh, there you go, you've had your, your week's <laughs> yeah, <yes>. allocation. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil brought it up as well, and we were not happy campers. Well, I'm sorry to have ruined your sex life. Yes. Yep. Joe doesn't know that game. Right. Anyway, back to the back to Athlinks in the 35 to 39 age group. So I'm thinking, right, what's it going to take here? So we've got Sam, and you can go in here. What you can do is, obviously you can do this on ironman.com. You can go through, look at your age group. Yep. But the cool thing here is then you can go, and the people, who are athletes members, you can go, okay, let's see how they performed at other races. Oh, we know Sam Guide's not going to be there. Yeah, he is. No, he's not going to be there. He's a pro. No, 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 no. That's your thing of that other guy, Kyle Buckingham. Oh, I am too. So Sam Guide won it last year. Sam Guide's the one who wore the Dopers Suck t shirt. Oh, so he is going, yes, to, be he's going to be there. Okay. So I can go, you know, last year he went a 108 in the swim. I'm going to smoke him there, but he yeah. rode 429 and then he ran three hours 30. So that's my best case run scenario. I'll put 10 minutes into the swim, but I still ain't riding for... What were you riding? What, what, what do you think you rode? If you, again, good day. Again, if I had a good day there, looking at these splits here, I know a few people... And I, I know it's really I, hard because the weather conditions are so down. variable. So I know Cam Hansen, he rode 4.57 and Kevin Cody rode 4.50. So I would have been thinking I'd be around about that 4.50, maybe just a little bit under, Mark. So so if you went, if you went you have a fast about 55 swim? I'll oh, probably say 58-ish, including transition, okay. f- somewhere somewhere in there. Call it 58. Okay, then, and then 4.50, and then a three-hour. Yeah, that's that's having a good swim, good bike. Yeah, so that, that's a perfect day, isn't it? You, mm. you, you nail that, then you're going to mm. come in around nine hours, 50-ish. Yeah. So, I mean, eight hours, 50. Mm. So if you get an eight hours, 50, if you do have your best day based on last year's results, you are a contender. Uh, contender for top five. I'm not going to win it. There's going to be some somebody else there who's going to smoke. But what my, my point here was, I can go in and I can go through my age group. We've got BJ. Well, last year you would have got third. Yeah. So and so that's on your best day. On my best day, I think a top five is realistic. And once you're in the top five, who knows what's happening? But if you don't have your best day, you drop down pretty quickly, pretty oh, fast. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's 908. So there's not a lot of margin for error. If you lose five minutes, yep. you're going to lose over. five five places or so. But you can go in here. It's cool. You know, I can check out BJ Christensen, who finished in eighth place in the age group. I can click on him. He did 903. I can go through and check out his results. Man, he's got some impressive results. Oh, really? <laughs> 15 minute 5K. Wow. And then a 110 half marathon. Wow. But then his marathon lets him down a bit. He only does uh, only does 242, so I trump him there. And outside of his best Ironman, I can go and he's got 14 Ironman races. His best is 903, but outside of that, I can go through and see, you know, what what other results he's got. And they're not as impressive, impressive as 903. He's got a... A nine eighteen in Kona, he clearly does well there, but outside of Kona, not not quite so good. But how do you organise it based on best? 
Well, you can you, oh, you can see, you can see this this up the top. You can see really? the best results. Yep. So I can check out BJ. I can check out um. I can check out all of uh, Sam Guide's results. Also. Oh, this is cool. So you can basically go in there, do a bit of competitor analysis, a bit deeper than what you can do. Say if you go to Ironman. Do you think the five k was short? 15 minutes for 5k is pretty bloody fast. Pretty impressive. And then he's gone on to, so his half marathon's 110. Which is still not it's, bad. That's smoking, but it's, the it's guy's not. doing 15 minute 5k, you think would go faster. Yeah, yeah. And then a 242 a marathon, which is the same as me. Which is slow. Oh, <laughs> Relative to, <laughs> f- relative no, to no, 15, totally k, course, yeah. 15 minute. Uh, so so I think maybe the 5k was short. Or, yeah. or he's a smoking fast guy who fades yes. pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's just a cool way. Go on athletes.com. You pick out your um, – He's your, an athlete, but isn't he? Your results and your, your races you've got either coming up or looking back at previous ones to try to figure out um, how you think you'll stack up. And, and as Bevan said, you know, figure out best-case scenarios on the day, look at other people you know in there and uh, and work it out. And uh, He's just a great example of – This is a great example of using athletes. He's just got so many different races, you mm. know, going back years and – just a great re- oh yeah call me check it out athlinks.com for your competitor analysis okay Jombo next up we have questions and answers rugby to Ironman this is from Al and he's got uh, Ali is it Ali yeah it's Ali Alistair Horbane oh yeah there you go Um, having been played competitive rugby and now enjoying my first season in triathlon post hip hop um, I'm working with a great coach who just finished his 15th European age group in the Olympic distance in how's that one? Kitzbühel. I consistently, um, I'm consistently thinking of how it's going to get me, take me to, get to lean down and go sub eleven in an Ironman. Given myself the goal of five years when I'm 34, gone from 100 kg top heavy to 79, 30 inches in the waist with legs, good engine, and getting leaner. I've just finished Ironman 70.3 in the UK in 6022 with a shit. Three uh, bike four bike. and a horrendous hilly course and realised I must get to 70, 72 kgs to improve across the three disciplines. Is this correct? Seven months ago, I couldn't swim and now train six days a week, 13 to 16 hours a week. Three bike, three swims, three run. I take Aussies, Matt Rogers, ex-rugby league and union as inspiration from rugby to Ironman, but should I worry about weight before challenging... Challenging Mallorca. ...in October or this winter? Best way to lean down. Tips, lose muscle mass and chest and chest and shoulders. Well, you've probably got a lot more experience in this area than I have in terms of you've got some big, big units um, across your running groups in terms of yeah. what works best for them and probably more in the gym you probably see a lot of this as well. So have you any comments? Well, I think it's... Uh... Well, Bevan's oh. in trouble. My Skype password? Um, <laughs> I can't say that on the show. Wait a second, I have to I'll pause. I think I think the th- uh, to be honest, I'm not going to give any kind of nutrition stuff here because I think the thing is is that you're losing the weight, mm-hmm. and, and so if anything, just don't just be patient. Steady progress. Yeah, you know, like if you've lost 100 kg and you're down, you've lost 21 kg to this point. Now, I'm not quite exactly sure over what time frame you've done that on, but it seems like what you're doing to this point seems to be losing the weight. And I know that I, I like I wasn't as big as you are, but when I started Ironman, I was about 70, 87 kg. Mm-hmm. So I was a lot bigger than you know my peak in Ironman. I probably got down to about 70. 74, 73, and um, and and to be honest, I never really worried about trying to lose weight. It just happened because of the volume of exercise that I was doing. Yeah. And if anything, I think you've got to really learn, um, you know, because once you get to about 70, 79 kgs, you're pretty, you're, you're like depending you on your height, you know, you're probably sitting around the right point. It's I'm not sure if losing an extra six kgs is the answer to your question. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think focus rather than focusing on weight, focusing more on good nutritional habits and eating really healthy. And I think it'll just happen over time and, and you sort of get to what is the right weight for you. I think f- in terms of um, trying to lose stuff before October, I think that's a bit crazy. I mean, we're, we're, as we said, Well, the thing is, what does it cost? And so you go, if, you, if you're really trying to lose a massive amount of weight in a short period of time, there's going to be an energy deficiency which will affect your training. Mm. So then the cost is that my quality of training will be depleted and so I won't mm-hmm. be able to train as well. So the results I'll get through training will not lead to a better performance in my racing. So you're better off to go, okay, well, if I am trying to lose some weight and by October, what's a healthy amount for me to be using where I can still get quality of training? And, and you know, you may determine that, okay, to lose, you know, 9 kg and that time's probably pushing it too hard. Whereas if I could aim for a healthy 4 kg, mm-hmm. I'll be a bit leaner, be a bit, you know, in that way. The one thing is you can't spot reduce. So you can't just say I'm going to lose weight in my shoulders. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's not really – people just lose weight where they lose weight. It's like the different people will put weight on and different areas of their body mm. and so unfortunately that you can't really control that it's been interesting since i've given up iron man i've actually lost weight in my shoulders right because i don't swim yeah and i still do strength work and stuff but i've actually across my upper body i've actually lost you know my body composition has shifted through my upper body a bit but i would say probably the better approach to have is is that you know if i do want to keep losing weight i think the other thing is is don't get too obsessed about weight mm. You know, like there is there is performance in weight. Mm, definitely. But for a guy who's, you know... But it's trade-offs, you know. Yes, you're going <laughs> to run faster if you're lighter, but at what cost for your biking and your swimming, so... And your health. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, you know, like, again, I think you'll probably just keep doing what you're doing. You're obviously losing weight to this point and just, again, try not to be too extreme in losing that weight. The key thing is I, I would say you're better off to have quality training and over the next few months... And even if you stayed at the weight you are now, then to lose 6kg and to have really crap training. Mm. You know, training should come first. You said, listen to Tim Noakes' interview, awesome job, is paleo the way to go? And as we've found out with all the different interviews, there's a wide selection. And I think if you, as long as you go healthy and just have a bit of a plan around it, try to avoid, as we've discussed before, you know, your sugars and going mental on carb, 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 carb. As long as you start following a nice healthy diet, you'll be fine. If you if you do want to lose um, some mass uh, in your off-season and you're a European-based athlete, then I'd be suggesting, you know, maybe looking at doing a big run block over winter um, and that will be one way where you can certainly lose a little bit of that um, muscle mass through, through running. It's a lot harder to lose your weight if you're going to, say, just swim through winter or just bike. Um, running is the easy way to lose a little bit of muscle mass but 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 the thing is to remember Ali is that you're actually doing it right you've lost 21 kg mm, exactly you know so like I, I'm not quite sure why you think you have to change things now mm. so unless it's getting harder to lose that next little bit but I think that if anything is just be patient and stick to your plan Mm. You know, so uh, hopefully that helps. Um, Richard Swan going on about Richard Swan. So last week on the show, Jombo, you you said that you think Rony Carfee could run. What was it about two thirty? Yeah. Um, and so two. So so and he went to work on Saturday, and like all good workers, he didn't work. Yeah. He listened to this and he took it as a challenge. He's got. I always come to work on a Saturday, and I always stop work when I hear a challenge. Don't challenge me. Statistically, I would like to. I would consider it exceptionally unlikely that Rennie could run a 2:30 on her current form, even 
with marathon preparation. Mm. Top Australian female time for a marathon last year was 2.32 at the World Champs. Let's cut some slack, however, as the course in Moscow was tough. Top Australian results at this year's Gold Coast Marathon, <coughs> their top marathon was 2.42 by an Australian. A better indication was the Australian female at the Commonwealth Games, and Aussie girl ran a 2.30.12 PB for bronze. Second Australian... Um, oh, he's got a link there... Uh, now, no one is doubting Rooney's runnability, but to suggest that she would be running at a standard to be the top or second top Australian female or be in a position to win the Kong Games medal may be taking her runnability a bit far. Yes, the Kong Games and Marathon isn't the strongest field, a point illustrated by Mike Shelley, the Aussie that won the guys' marathon being ranked 183rd in the marathon in the Commonwealth last year, but that should not distract from his fantastic race. The Kenyan... Uh, was only 85th rank Kenyan. That's mind-blowing, eh? Mm. Uh, the Ugandan uh, that ran and won the 10K on the track earns his living as a marathon pacemaker, and he exploded after pacing Kipsing in the 2000, uh, 203 in 2011 and finished with the 206. Girls marathon qualifier for the Olympics is around 233. I would suggest she would be more a 238. Oh, it's just not. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Bring the gloves on. Bevan just pasted this in now, so I've had no chance to do any uh, I have, I didn't, any, I didn't any prep preps, before it. But I ran a 238, and she's a faster runner than me. I also look at um, – oh, pause for a second. I've got to do one bit of research. Okay, no, you, you, I'll just talk about something. The sky. Look at the sky now, John. <laughs> it's pretty right. amazing. Hold on. Just okay, pause well, it. Where, I've, where I've, you got to, I've got to look up one person that I know runs – and I just want to see what time she's done. So just give it a pause. Okay, now I'll read the next email while you're doing this. So we got an email from Chris Self, and he was just saying, we've got quite a few emails about this. The interview of Sharon. Sharon. Uh, Sharon, sorry. We'll, we'll say, he'd say Sharon McNeil in well, his Sean. subject. So, so just saying, it's his yeah. fault, not mine. Yeah. Sharon O'Neill. And uh, he said the interview, we got quite a few emails saying it was amazing. Even Richard Swan came back and said the interview was amazing. Um, I was at Kona Light this year. I've been doing triathlons as a slow age grouper for many years and followed Ironman since the 80s. This is the single most inspirational story I've seen. Thanks for sharing the story. It inspires me to train harder. And when I'm feeling sorry or weak, I will think of Sean and this incredible story. Hope this makes the next podcast because I want everyone to know how much Sean's story has inspired me to make my personal challenge seem quite small and insignificant. Now, it's pretty cool, but one thing we need to know about Chris is that he's a wounded warrior himself. So mm. he's le- lost the leg? Yep, yep. He's an amputee from uh, the knee down. Wow. Do you know how he lost his leg? Uh, in war. Wow. In Afghanistan. That's got to be the worst thing ever. I remember years ago, This American Life had, um, which is a great radio show slash podcast in America, and they're talking about the wounded warriors from places like Iran. And they had a guy who was... They hit the phone call from the guy who was ringing his family, telling him he'd lost his legs. And I was out, I was actually out riding my bike that day and, you know, doing some training. And I cried. It was so, so, so sad. And um, you could tell he was trying to be brave for his family because his family were breaking down as he was, you know, communicating the message. But, man, just I can't even imagine how hard that is. So when someone like Chris who obviously, you know, has been an inspiration for his world, turns around and says that Sean is an inspiration for him. It just really shows how important the work that Sean and her team are doing, eh? Yeah, it's great. Pretty, pretty, oh, Aaron, Aaron Baker, I'm not even listening. I told you I know, but you, show. you at least could have come up with the right tone. <laughs> I'm still You could have my tone. I came up with yeah. a, a Q 
caring, understanding, sympathetic, empathetic tone, what do you come with? Yep, great. Yep, great. We should have paused the show when I told you to. Chris, you're a legend, and so is Sean, and everyone else. John, Chris is off to, Chris is off to the Wounded Warriors. Um, oh, uh, now, now in, you come in back. In London. In London, they're having the um, a Champions, sort of championship. Is it kind of like yeah. world champs for, is yeah. it like all different sports? Yeah. Kind of like a, um, what's the oldies it's, it's, games? It's not It's not the power games. It's basically is for all Wounded Warriors. Service, servicemen who have. Um, and he's doing a triathlon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's My in London. On Chris. Exactly. Right, I was trying to do my research, but I haven't had enough time. Hey, Chris, I feel for you. I think you're a legend. Yeah, Chris, He's going, you need to feel for me. Chris would just come and lobber you around. That's the, the thing, eh? He really would. He'd smash me. He would. Because I'm not tough. I wouldn't go to war. I'm a weak. He'd pop, like, pop a cap in your ass. Pop a cap in my ass. Uh, okay, John. So, well, I was trying to do my Aaron research. Baker. Aaron Baker ran two thirty three marathon. Oh, so look, maybe two thirty was a little bit of a stretch, but although based on that. Erin mm. Baker, was she as good as Rennie? She was pretty good. Yeah, but Rennie's... Yeah. Rennie's running the fastest ever. Yeah, I agree with that. 2.30's probably a bit of a stretch, but I'm sure Rennie's faster than me, and I ran 2.38, and I... Swanee. Yeah. Go back to work and do some so research. I'm, I'm going to say somewhere in that range of 2.33 to 2.38. 2.30, sure, it might be a bit of a stretch, but... Yeah. And also, Rennie probably does perform better relative to everybody else when it's hot, when you're smaller. You know, she's pretty small. True. Um, versus the, the bigger ones. So you You're know, interviewing her, aren't you? I'm um, hopefully trying to catch up with her today. I'll ask her. There we go. Swanee, suck that one up. Suck, the, suck on that, Sam. I will, I'm going to ask. <laughs> I've got to put that down um, when we're finished talking to ask her what she thinks she can run a fresh marathon and then we'll have it. But what if she pulls off? Who was that guy who said he could do a 270? Rasmus. What if, what if she pulls off, oh, I can do a 220? That's her opinion. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway. I got an email from Muzza. Did you see the email I got from Muzza? Yeah. I was a bit weird. I thought, I thought it was a bit weird. So I got an email from Murray Lapworth, and this has nothing to do with anyone, but I'm just going to answer it on the show here. We've got my running group. We have a pretty big running group nowadays. We get up yeah. to like 200 runners. It's pretty big. And uh, and, and Muzza was – we went to his camp, and we booked out all the tables, and, and he sent me this email saying, you booked out the tables. And I, I, I thought he was being serious. Yeah. Did you, did, was that the tone you got from the email he sent? No. Oh, see, I thought he was being serious. I was like, oh, okay, Murray, I'm so sorry. And Murray... Murray was complaining because he couldn't get a coffee and a sit-down because we took Bevan's have taken over the cafe. And, uh, and and he said, oh, look, can you let me know next time? And I was like, fire out, Murray. What do you think? We are? How do we know you're yeah. going to be there? Public notice. And I went back and said, oh, sorry, but I only need a cab because he said, look, I was joking. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Anyway. Coffees any, of Hawaii. Coffees of Hawaii, Jombo. Tell me about it. History of coffee in Hawaii. Hawaii is the only state in the US with the climate conditions necessary for growing coffee. The combination of rich volcanic soil, a year-round warm climate, and abundant rainfall adds up to an ideal environment. From 1850 to 1900, coffee was Hawaii's biggest agricultural crop. Sugarcane and pineapple came onto the scene early in the 20th century because they were easier to grow and less labour-intensive. Most coffee acreage was converted to those new crops. Hawaii coffee was traditionally grown on small independent farms. Recently, however, relatively large plantations have been supplying the bulk of the coffee. What's interesting is you can go through and see what's happened in different years. Yes. In 1813, Don Francisco de Paulo Y. Martin, Spanish advisor to King Kehamea, the first introduced coffee and pineapple to Hawaii. There you go. You see, you've got to say that Hawaii, Hawaii. probably. Hawaii. can't say it's not Hawaii. Do you know what, John? Hawaii. They always say the comma in there. I never heard the, the comma if they're after the I. Yeah. John, but the other thing I have is, you know what I did? It was quite a Hawaii thing this weekend, what? which I didn't really do. Joe did it, and I kind of yeah. walked in a couple of times. Blue Hawaii Elvis Presley. 
the movie. Ah, oh, nice. A blue Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, it was really funny watching it. It was pretty bad, yeah. first of all. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't high film. And Joe was watching. I was playing piano. I'd walk in every couple of minutes and have a quick look. Yeah. And uh, But um, Honolulu, it's all, a lot of it's based on where the big tourism spot right now is. And it's, it's 60, so it's just funny seeing what it looked like then. Nice. Just seeing, you know, because now yeah. it's such a big development. And, oh, yeah. You know, and it was it was quite basic. Yeah. You know, it was a bit like it's just a local kind of beach. Yeah. So there we go. Blue Hawaii. Check it out. In uh, 1929, depression leads to coffee busts. Many debt-ridden coffee farmers declare bankruptcy. 1930, 1957. It's hard to imagine a coffee. depression, isn't it? Because, like, we've had depressions in the last few years, like 2008 and, yeah. you know, what was in 1987 and that. But it seemed like the depression was a lot worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they talk about, you know, like they talk about how, you know, 2008's just as bad as the depression times. No. Yeah, I know. Like We've got food. Depression seemed pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty tough. So Coffees like, of Hawaii, check it out. We've got all the promo codes on imtalk.me and check it out. Be part of the history of Coffees in Hawaii. And mate, if, if you like coffee, get the recurring delivery cat cranking on and then it just turns up every month or every week or whatever you want. And it's there, fresh coffee, especially for you. Okay, Jumbo. Sponsors? Athlinks.com. Follow anybody? SLS Try. Get your cool socks. And be a hypocrite like me. Yeah, be a hypocrite. Stream endurance. Your lactic buffer keeps you healthy. And coffees of Hawaii. Join the history. There you go. Jumbo, what's your goss? We've discussed at length, Kiwis love discussing the weather. We discussed our beautiful weather we had on Saturday. And, yes. then, um, and then on Sunday I was organising a triathlon and it was pretty crap. But it wasn't bad, it was just cold. It was pretty crap. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was pretty crap, but luckily it stopped raining um, heavily. Did it rain Sunday? It was crap. It was 10 degrees and it was raining. Oh, that's right. I was at the yeah. gym. I'm inside. Right. I yeah. these things. It was crap. And, but thankfully, we still went, we had 101 finishes still on a really crappy day. Oh, good Which work. I was quite pleased with. So that was all good. And outside of that, Bevan, training away. Kids are at school. It's all good. Getting ready oh, for Kona. at school. Yep. Philly started school now. So oh, really? it's all good. Yeah. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cranking it. Wow. St. Martin's? St. Martin's. What's the teacher's name? Oh, the teacher's one of your runners. Oh, who's that? Um, Davidson, Mrs. Davidson. Can't remember if it's Julie, maybe? No, it's not Julie. She's just started a 5K run thing. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, I never would have been able to do five. Never thought I could do 5K, and I turned up, and all the people are like me. See? Good business strategy there, isn't it? Yes. Any other gossip? What are you doing this weekend? This weekend. Phil's child's turning five, so birthday party there. Just hey, laugh. John, have you tried the Whitaker's chocolate, the hundreds and thousands of Whitaker's chocolate? in fact. Is it good? It's not the best. Is it not? It's fine, but I wouldn't rave. Oh, did you like the LMP one? That was better. That was better? I haven't, mm. I haven't tried it. Okay, so we have hundreds and thousands of biscuits in New Zealand, and they're basically oh, like a little, sort of little crispy, crispy biscuit, and then on top it has pink icing, and then it has uh, sprinkles, hundreds and thousands coloured sprinkles. What's your favourite biscuit? If you know, like, if you just like any biscuit, mm, Tim Tams are pretty good. Tim Tams are very good, John. Mm. They are very good. I'm into squiggle, the squiggle, slices. Squiggle tops. Oh, I'm not a big squiggle top fan. Mm, squiggle tops. I do like. Um, um, what is this is all second to M's power cookies. Oh, of course. Mm. Of course. Uh, any other goss? That's about it. Did Belinda and that buy the same shoes at the same time? Probably. They do a lot together. It's, they're a bit like 
mm. teenagers, aren't they? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'll pass that on for them. <laughs> but like teenagers. Yeah. You know, laugh about silly sex jokes. Yeah. You know, wear the same clothes. Swap clothes. Hang out together all the time. I always see them at the complain camp about their, Yeah, but taste, complain about their wife, their husbands. Yeah, complain about their husbands. That is basically their life. <laughs> look at trade me, look at clothes. We've got good good relationships we have. You know, Phil, we've got it all uh, sorted. We, 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 saw, we saw a bed on a trade me the other day. They, they share a bed when they went to Kona. <laughs> Pick it up. They share a bed in Kona. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you think, do you think something's happening here that you don't know about, John? <laughs> Who would know? Jumbo, we sold a bed. Mm-hmm. What do you think you get for a secondhand bed on Trade Me? Not bad. It's not just the mattress, it's the bed. It's the whole thing. Just a standard bed, nothing special. Yeah, nothing special. 100 bucks if you're lucky. 420. Nice. 420. Mm. We were thinking, Joe did it all. She's, she's a legend. And uh, and we were thinking, oh, you know, you might get Hundy. 200 would be pretty good. And it was getting up mm. 200. It was like, sweet. And then the bidding frenzy began. Crazy. 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 Jombo. Jombo. Can wrap it up. We're going to do another show here. I know, but you want to see this. Wait a second. My book cover. Wait a second. Look at this. Matt Emery. to be blown away. Oh, I tell you what. I have to say, the guys on my book cover, we had a bit of an issue with my book cover because my publisher came to me and uh, and he came to me with this. We got this photo shoot done. Yeah. And the photo shoot admittedly was pretty – I looked pretty crap. I can't deny yeah. it. And there weren't many good photos. Actually, there was only one half-decent photo. So my book publisher came to me and he, he, through email. You know how sometimes through email it's not the best form of communication? Yes, Sometimes totally. you, you're best to actually just pick up the phone and talk to someone. Yeah. Because you might think there's tension through email that's yep. actually not there, a.k.a. Murray Lapworth. Yes. <laughs> and so so he sent me this first cover and it was it was pretty poor. And I'm someone who has – has, I kind of have an eye for design. I'm not the greatest designer, but I kind of know when it's right and when it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back and said, look, guys, I don't think you got it right. And then I said, here, I'm, I made a mock one up myself. Mm-hmm. And then they came back and they said, oh, look, we don't think you're there. Um, we kind of like what we had was more, but how about this? And then mm-hmm. they, the second one they sent back, I thought it was worse. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And so I, I went to a few of my graphic design buddies and said, you know, um, what – what do you think's better? The one I did with there, and they both kind of all the, about four or five of them came back, and they kind of said, uh, "Both of them are pretty average. Yeah. We'd probably like your one a little bit better, but both are pretty average." Then my publisher rang me, and I've got such a great publisher, like I seriously have. And he said, "Look, Bev, I've, look, it's not about who's got the best cover; it's what can get the best cover." Mm. And so he said, "Why don't you get one of your graphic designer friends to design a cover?" And uh, and this is what they've come up with. Oh, Bevan's on the front. It's Very pretty nice. cool, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's really cool. Lights in the back. Yeah, so it's really it's a big picture of me, obviously, um, but it's really vibrant and it's good colours and the fonts kind of action and Great. so yeah. So the book should be coming out. I'm, they, I'm not exactly sure, but it's, it should be just a matter of weeks. So oh, you'll be able to take some to Kona. Uh, e-books, you know. Oh, the e-books is it? <laughs> well, I don't want to, to carry oh, so books not, to Kona. You're not. Is it getting printed? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it'll be more yeah. calls and stuff. I'll take it to Kona. Well, people can get e-books. Do a, do a macker and you just give, give them out to all the media in Kona. Yeah. Get your publisher to pull e-books, your finger out. E-books, e-books. I do want you guys to buy my book. I really do because I want it to do really well. Mm. And not, not actually not just that. I'm quite proud of my book. I have to admit I am quite proud of the message and the way it's done. And um, and I do think it's a message that's really important. So hopefully you guys can get into it and, and support it. So Great. I'll let you know more about that in the next few weeks when you, you guys can get to see the cover. Rightio. Okay, John Boy. Remember, guys, the Blue 70 wetsuit on auction closes in three yeah, days' time. Just go and buy so it. get on it. And we've also got our Legends interview that we put up last week with Lisa Bentley. So listen up to that. And we'll be back next week. Okay. Special guests coming up.
Okay, here we go. I accidentally pushed stop and went on the end. John goes, you're not going to do the I was trying to be, I'm trying to wrap it up for the last 10 minutes, and then we just just chops me. Fine, <laughs> Russ. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. car. Look at that sky. <laughs>